One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right. Morning, everybody. Uh, Great to be with you again. I want to kind of pick up where we left off uh, last week. Um, Really want to kind of dig into this eagle dream um, that I shared when I was at Rochester um, because it's really a good teaching tool. And um, that's what the Lord is. He's your teacher, right? If I were to ask you who your teacher is, you know, we have uh, we have entire denominations who would say the Bible is their teacher. And listen, guys, I believe the Bible is 100% true, but if you don't recognize who your teacher is, you miss the boat, okay? The reason why the reason why the, the Israelites and the Pharisees and Sadducees defaulted to the, the writings on stone was because they couldn't ascend the mountain to meet the Lord face to face, right? Only a select few could go into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and meet the Lord face to face. And so it's a slap in the face in this day and age after Christ has conquered death in the grave and conquered the middle wall of separation, right? That's what the book of Hebrews says. It says that Christ conquered the middle wall of separation. What kept man from being face-to-face with the Lord has actually been conquered by Christ. And the, and the blood of Jesus has forgiven man of his sin. It washes the sin and the separation away from man so that man can have face-to-face relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so there's a huge difference between what is real and real Christianity and false Christianity. And it's subtle. And if you don't understand it and and have the background spiritually to discern it, it takes years to come out of it, okay? And and here's the foundational question I'll ask you. Who's your teacher, okay? And I'll say this. It is not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Okay, the scripture actually points to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And actually, Jesus put so much value on the Holy Spirit that he says that if you reject me, there's even forgiveness for that. But if you reject the Holy Spirit, right, there is no forgiveness for it. Okay, there is no forgiveness for you rejecting the Holy Spirit. And and the, and the reality is, this uh, the, the point of this is actually taking you out of false teaching and putting your time and focus on the wrong place and getting you focused in the right place. Because there's a lot of people that read Scripture, just like the Pharisees. They knew all the Scripture, but they're dead, right? Jesus called the Pharisees who had the Bible memorized. He called them dead men bones. He called them whitewashed tombs. In in Matthew uh, 23, he said, You are of your father the devil. You are a brood of vipers, right? He, He said they were dead, but they knew what Scripture said. So, Let's get this. Let's get straight right off the bat. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because only the Spirit can reveal what real truth is. Right? The the Scripture actually says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so, I want to kind of build on the eagle dream. Right? The 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 eagle dream that I shared, um, I think uh, one or two sessions ago. 
that dream is actually revelatory in terms of the, how important the Lord looks at people who walk on the ground versus who are positioned high above, right? Those who are positioned on the earth um, basically are parrots repeating each other, repeating scriptures, repeating things that appear holy but have no power. But the Lord points to an eagle who uses the thermals, the wind of the Spirit, to rise above, right? To be lifted by the winds of the Spirit. And it is the supernatural power of the Spirit who teaches us. And so I want to get into that because when I revealed that dream a few weeks ago, the dream of the eagle um, teaching the parrots how to be transfigured out of simply repeating each other from an earthly perspective, but being raised up and lifted by the wind as you, as, as, as you drink the water, the oil, and the wine of the Spirit, you are transfigured. And when you are transfigured, the Lord actually brings your enemies on a silver platter. You don't actually have to fight, right? And so this is, this is really actually learning how to fight spiritually. If you are on the ground level and you are working as hard as you can to not feel shame, to not feel condemnation, to not be depressed, to not feel pain, to try to forgive, right? Those, those are, um, that is, you're functioning in the strength of a man, which the strength of a man will never have power to overcome sin, okay? But, as, as I described in the vision, and if, if, you, if you haven't listened to those, the two previous or three previous podcasts, I encourage you to go back and listen to it and then start this one back up because the picture is worth a thousand words. Okay, because if you are positioned in the, the high place, positioned um, in, in the, the wind of the spirit, so to speak, right? The, 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 the dream actually revealed that the angel of the Lord brings your enemies on a silver platter. And you actually, just like Caleb said, the giants are our bread, right? As you begin to um, be positioned in God in the high place, you actually begin to consume and eat your enemies because of the angelic power that the Lord brings into your life, right? And so at the end of the day, guys, the punchline of this is your prayer life and your expectation in the Holy Spirit is actually the most powerful element of being a Christian. And anything that takes the value away from the Holy Spirit and actually puts it on the Bible is air, okay? And before you shut this off, get, you know, listen through this, because if you are a Bible worshiper, you're deceived, okay? And I'm telling you that straight out to ultimately shift you into the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, because here's the deal, and I'll point to a few scriptures that that point to, to the way that the Lord puts extreme value on the Holy Spirit being your teacher and not a man reading a Bible trying to figure it out on their own, right? Because just as I referenced, the Pharisees tried to read a Bible, but they made an idol out of the Bible. And when they made an idol out of the Bible, they heaped responsibility and dead conditions and practices on the people, forced them to pay a temple tax to come through the door, and they were never delivered. They were never set free. They basically were in a dead form of idolatry that used the Bible to drive their conditions, but it was still idolatry. That's the last place you want to be in, okay? Any denomination that does not embrace the Holy Spirit above the, the, the Scripture is actually in error, okay? And, I'm, and don't, don't take this wrong. The Bible actually is true. It is an extremely important reference tool, 
but it is not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? And we're going to talk about what the Bible actually means when it talks about the Word of God, okay? Because it's important. And I encourage you, if you want more information on this topic as I go through this, um, in my second book called Transfigured, um, I dig into this topic a lot, okay? And how people are transfigured into the supernatural calling of God that's upon their life instead of being earthbound, okay? It's about ascension, guys. Okay, and so... Probably number one tool that I'll talk about is Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11. If you listen to my stuff, this is a mainstay scripture. The scripture actually, the, the Lord actually asked the question in verse 9 of, of Isaiah 28. He says, to whom will I teach knowledge? To whom will I make to understand? Um, is, it, is it the guy in the pulpit repeating scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept? And he answers the question. If you look in the Amplified, he answers the question. He says, no, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. So what does that mean? That actually means that the gift of tongues is actually an ability for you to embrace this gift. And as you pray, the Lord promises to come and speak to you. He, he will teach you. Okay? Which is the concept that Jesus tried to reveal and the emphasis that he tried to reveal, saying, if you uh, reject me, you know, fine, there's forgiveness for it. But if you reject my Holy Spirit and the way of the Spirit, he's basically saying you, you're condemned in death because only the Spirit can give you life. You can't go to an altar and repent and, not, and, and think that you don't need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit because it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that resurrects you. You can't read a standard called the Bible, measure yourself and decide, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm not doing that anymore. That's not the point of it. The point is to reveal you need a Savior. And as you get the revelation you need a Savior, Jesus, Jesus said either you will fall on the rock or the rock will fall on you. Either way, when you fall on your face and you cry out for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, just like the Holy Ghost came and resurrected Christ from the dead, you, in, like, in a likewise manner, the only thing that can resurrect you is the Spirit. You can't resurrect yourself. Meaning you can't read a Bible and decide, oh my gosh, I got to stop doing this or I got to stop doing that. And you put all your effort into trying not to, not to feel condemnation or trying not to feel pain and hurt. My point is, it's when you rely on the Holy Ghost, um, not only the first time, but in daily life, you become accustomed to Holy Ghost intervention in your life instead of relying on your own strength to try to conform. Okay, and so just to emphasize this concept of who is your teacher, Ephesians 1.17, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you may know the hope of your calling, right? Um, that you may be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's revelation, guys. Revelation is the seventh spirit and the sevenfold spirit of God that's listed in Isaiah 11, right? It says Jesus was clothed in the seven spirits. And he was able to judge in righteousness and make war. He was able to judge not with the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the eye or the hearing of the ear, but he was able to judge with true discernment, okay? Discernment is a spiritual gifting. It's actually you pray, the Spirit speaks to you, give, meaning he gives you wisdom and revelation, and you then are able to make the right choices in life. Because you're spiritually led instead of a guy trying to sit down at a table with a Bible trying to figure out life. Okay? When I sit down at the Bible, um, 
I, I sit with the Lord. I pray, right? I, I, you've heard me talk, talk about this. I pray um, not because I have to, because I want to. I pray for hours because I can't wait for the next thing the Lord has to say to me. Okay? And so when he speaks to you, that is the equipping of discernment. Without the Spirit speaking to you, you have no discernment over matters. It's you guessing. Let's be real. You read a Bible, and although you think it appears holy, and you start picking scriptures out, then you think you're good because you're trying to do this one, you're trying to do this one, and you're trying to do this one. Well, what if the Lord wants you to go to, let's say, Revelation chapter 5, right? Verse 3. And that one scripture is going to reveal your current situation, and he's actually going to begin speaking to you about your life because it's spirit-revealed and not self-induced. And I hope you can get the concept of, of the importance that Scripture actually, if you read, if you read First um, uh, Corinthians chapter one, it's it actually, you know, Paul spends a lot of time talking about only the Holy Spirit can reveal the meaning of Scripture. Okay, man can't decipher Scripture. Man can't, as a mere man, just sit down and, you know, do do these word searches, do these um, Greek word searches, and decide. Oh yeah, I got the meaning. I know what that means. That's that's a lie. That's that's actually deception. Because without the Holy Spirit, only only the Holy Spirit can reveal, okay? Romans 8, the whole concept of when you get to Romans 8, um the point of Romans 8 is that it says that um the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, meaning that the only way out, out of the condemnation of the law, which is your scripture, Okay, the law of Moses, and then the sub subsequent learnings of the Bible, the only way out of condemnation is spiritual. Okay? It's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual revelation. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the one thing Jesus gave. And without the Spirit, you cannot be led through life. Okay? It actually says in Romans 15 that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Okay? The sons of God are led by the Spirit. And that... That process of walking by the Spirit is a maturity aspect, okay, that the whole, that the body of Christ has to step into. The Bible at the beginning stages, and, and listen guys, the Bible at the beginning stages has an extremely important function, and there's grace upon people reading the Bible, okay? I know people that wrote, read the Bible for the first time, they got touched by the Holy Ghost, and boom, they get they're they're born again. They 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 become supernatural, right? They're all in with Jesus, but it was a gift of the Spirit. Okay, a person who reads the Bible without a, an expectation and reliance on the Spirit on a routine basis will ultimately fall into um, a staleness, a dryness. And when I travel places, that's probably the number one thing when I go into churches or, is dealing with people who are stale, who are who've become numb to the world. They've become even numb to church, like it has no influence in their life anymore. It's routine. Well, all of that is pointing to the fact that your strength is from your own human strength and not the strength of the Holy Ghost, okay? Only the Holy Spirit can give life. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, a couple other scriptures here, Isaiah 61 
Um, people ask me about Isaiah 61. Why don't we see deliverance happen in the church? Why aren't the captives set free? Uh, why aren't the Why aren't the dead raised? Why aren't the um, the blind released out of prison? Right? Why aren't the chains broken and and demons being cast out of people in 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 certain churches? And I say, well, where's where where is the bride that looks like the rest of Isaiah 61? Right? The, if you read through the rest of Isaiah 61, you find a bride who is clothed in, in jewels. It, it, it actually reflects the glory of God. And beca- because the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost is drenched, it's covered, the anointing itself is on the bride. The bride walks in the power of the anointing, and the appearance of the bride is supernatural. Okay, and when a bride is supernatural, right, the, the call of Christ will be upon that bride, which is Jesus said in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind, set the captive free, release those who are bound in prison. Take note that he didn't say the Bible is upon me. He said the Spirit is upon me. Okay? And so it's very important that we recognize that it's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, why do so many people simply worship the Bible? Um, Maybe I'll get into this concept here a little more in future podcasts, but I just want to touch on it to give you some context, okay? But if you read the book of, of Galatians, Paul goes into Galatia, gets people baptized in the Holy Ghost, people are flowing in the gifts, and they're hearing the voice of God, and they're doing what the church is really supposed to do, which is know the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And just remember, there was no Bible back then. The common man didn't even have the Old Testament, and the New Testament wasn't even written when Paul went into Galatia and everywhere else Paul went. So they had no New Testament, okay? So they didn't even have the opportunity to worship Father, Son, and Holy Bible. All they knew was the Holy Spirit because this man named Paul goes and begins to prophesy over people, begins to cast demons out of the demonized, begins to heal the sick, and everybody's like, who is this God that, that does all this supernatural stuff and Paul introduces them to the Holy Spirit. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they begin to hear the voice of God. And so the whole church is centered around the voice of the Lord. They know the Holy Ghost. And Paul spends the whole book of, of Galatians talking about the wolves in sheep clothing, right? The, 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 he calls them the Judaizers. And a Judaizer that comes in Paul was concerned that the church would be made dead by the Judaizer. And if you know what a Judaizer is, the, the actual definition of a Judaizer, um, whether it was a Jewish Christian or a Jew himself, um, they actually regard the Levitical law and the Old Testament as, as the binding element. They actually didn't rely on the Holy Spirit. They relied on Old Testament scripture. Okay? And Paul actually says that the Judaizer is what's making you dead. He actually says in in Galatians 3, who has bewitched you? Who's put you into a spell that you would actually reject the power of the Holy Spirit and default to trying to measure yourself to Levitical law and the Old Testament? Okay, because Jesus, it actually says in, um, in 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 the Gospels in several places, it says that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So if Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, why would you go back to trying to achieve the law, right? Because the law is what makes men dead. The purpose of the law was to reveal you're dead and you need a savior, okay? 
Paul talks about that understanding in the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, all through the New Testament as Paul's writing, he's, he's actually pointing to the Levitical law that was given because man refused to meet God face to face. And the fact that when they um, fall down on their face realizing that they need a Savior to deliver them from death, that's when Jesus comes into their life and the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes them, right? And so... I mean, the other, the other thing I want to highlight here in the revelation of what makes a church dead um, and why there's no power in a church is, is another doctrine. Jesus warned about it in two places in the seven letters to the seven churches um, in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. On two occasions, he says, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Well, what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitan? The doctrine of the Nicolaitan is, an, a it, it, think of it this way, um, a CEO in an organization sits at the top of that organization and dictates the way, uh, you know, importance um, of, of certain interpretations, uh, decisions on the way sales are going to work. Um, they control the whole picture, right? And that's the way a Nicolaitan system works, right? Like if you go into a Catholic church, everybody goes to the priest to be forgiven. Why do you need to go to a priest in a New Testament concept to be forgiven? Jesus said, I broke down the middle wall of separation. There is no man between me and you. It's you coming to me. I am the forgiver of your sin. No man is, right? And granted, I know in June in uh, John 20, it says that when Jesus breathed on the, the original uh, apostles, um, he said, whatever sin you forgive is forgiven. Whatever sin you retain is retained. That's in the context of them going into the world and having the power to uh, speak to the heathen and forgive their sin, okay? It's not meant to have a priest in place of a routine daily relationship of a person that's a so-called Christian. A true Christian knows the voice of the Lord, right? Jesus actually said, I no longer call you servant, I call you friend. He, he actually said that um, uh, my sheep will know my voice. They will not sit and listen to a priest who will tell them exactly what to do, and then confess under your own guilt, right? Why, why, when you walk into a Catholic church, are there so many that are bound in guilt and condemnation, and they look exactly like the world? And this is not just in the Catholic church. This is in any, any church that refuses the Holy Spirit and doesn't rely on the Holy Ghost. Why are there so many dead, um, condemned, shameful people sitting in, inside the walls? Because they've not been resurrected in the real Christ. Because in the real Christ, people are actually delivered of their shame. They're delivered of their depression. They're delivered of their condemnation. Miracle signs and wonders that delivered them are actually what they learn to walk in because they trust in the power and the voice of the Holy Ghost. Okay, and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is so important that um, it's a top-down organization. So any church structure where you are commanded to submit and to be covered by those people is a lie, guys. You are not required to submit and be covered, okay? The Holy Ghost is your covering. Actually, Jesus said this about leaders. He said, the greatest among you will be your servant. They will be the platform in which you stand on. So, guys, if you are looking at pastors and people that are not untouchable, people that see themselves in high positions and don't even give you the time of day, well, guess what? That's not the way the church is to function. A true pastor actually puts oil on every one of their sheep, meaning they touch them, right? 
The purpose in, in, of the sheep of the of the of the shepherd in the day of Jesus was to oil the sheep, right? To to keep the sheep trimmed, to keep them safe, to protect them from wolves. Well, how do you do that? You have personal relationships with people where you're helping them. You're helping them keep the anointing on their life, not confining them and controlling them through systems and conditions. That's a powerless method. That's a system of the Judaizer, okay? The true church, as we've been talking over the last few weeks, the true church is birthed in small groups and becomes supernatural as the group hears the voice of the Lord and reproduces as those people then go into their own living rooms and learn the simple gospel and reproduce it by the supernatural power by which they were birthed. They go then and minister to people and they serve the people and put oil on everybody that comes into their living room. Okay, that's what a shepherd is. You oil the sheep. Okay, if the pastor's not putting the oil, which is a symbol of the anointing, if the shepherd is not putting the oil on the sheep, what are they putting on them? Are they heaping conditions and requirements and scriptural, you know, sound good messages? The reality is there's one thing that's put on the sheep. That's the oil. Okay, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So if there's not routine prayer, if there's not routine deliverance, if there's not routine healing and signs and wonders and supernatural things, then I would say to you that there might be a wolf in charge of of the group instead of a true shepherd that oils the sheep because a true shepherd puts uses and relies on the anointing. Okay? Jesus put so much value on on the anointing of the Holy Ghost that he said and this is where the, the connection with Isaiah 61 is and how the bride was clothed, right? And why, why the mission statement of Christ to, to make this church supernatural was connected to a bride who was clothed in the supernatural, in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 49, he says, Stay in the city, do not leave until I clothe you in the Holy Spirit. Okay, what's Jesus saying? He's actually, the, when you connect the dots, he's actually trying to um, equip you to make you supernatural. You, you may look like a mere man in the, in the natural, but in the spirit, you have a crown on your head. You have fire in your eyes, just like your King Jesus. You have a robe uh, draped over you. You have different anointings and cloths, um, equippings clothed over you. You have a sword on your side. You have all this armor and this supernatural ability because the glory on you reflects the glory of your King. Okay? You can't get that by reading a Bible on your own and trying to achieve that standard. Amen? And so the essence of this is um, the Bible was never meant to be a measuring stick. The Bible is a reference point. Okay? Romans 8 Verse one and two, uh, it says, "For thou now, therefore, there is no condemnation. Who is, in, excuse me? Now, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death." And so, you're either in one place or the other, guys. Your mind right now is either a Bible worshiper or a Holy Ghost worshiper. And I remind you that the Scripture points to the one who said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Okay? So if you are a Bible worshiper and not a Holy Ghost worshiper, you're in error. You're in self-defined strength. 
You are trying to do the right thing. And hats off to you for trying to do the right thing. But the point of this is that you get delivered and set your mind on the Spirit, right? The whole point of Romans 8 is that you are no longer bound to the condemning words of the law of Moses and and simple scripture. You are bound to, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the sons of God are revealed by the Holy Spirit. So the sooner you lay down trying to work at it and do in your own strength and achieve it, whenever you lay that down and you begin praying in the Holy Spirit and you center your life around your prayer life, the Holy Ghost begins to talk to you. And in one conversation, He can deliver you. He can awaken you. He can take you to a scripture and say, Hey, this Romans 8 verse 2 the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm going to talk to you about that for the next six months. You go nowhere else and you are going to become a supernatural force in the revelation of this scripture. Okay? And the revelation of scripture is actually what is, is meant um, to be the, the way by which you are identified um, in the power of the Holy Ghost. You are, you're, like, you're not a parrot anymore. You don't walk around on the earth um, eating seed off the ground. You're an eagle who is fed water, oil, and wine supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, and your enemies are brought to you on silver platters. Amen? And again, that references the dream I shared um, in the last few sessions. Um, that picture is what you... It's an easy picture to, to, to um, continually assess. Are you earthbound? In powerlessness, because if you're earthbound, pecking seed, pecking scripture, there's a lot of Christians that are trying to do the right seed. They're like a parrot pecking seed off the ground. But an eagle is served revelation. An eagle is actually positioned by the wind of God, and the angel of the Lord brings revelation into your life. Okay? And these dreams and these visions that I'm always talking about um, should not be an unusual thing in your life. If they haven't happened yet, that, that's fine. The point is, when you shift into the way of the Spirit, they will begin to happen because that is the way of the Spirit. So I can tell you, fast and pray. Fast and pray in tongues. Fast and pray in tongues. And you will, be, you will see the Lord begin to intervene in your life because you, by your own mind and own fruition, own decision of your heart, choose to lay down the way of man and... Um, embrace the way of the Spirit, okay? And so the way of the Spirit is extremely important. People say, well, why why do people get healed or why do people um, get baptized in the Spirit? Why do people weep when you speak a vision of God to them? And I say, well, because it's not me repeating a scripture. It's the Holy Spirit revealing what he wants to do in the moment, okay? Romans ten seventeen says, for um, faith comes by the hearing of, of the word of God, the word, um, uh, the the, the word uh, word there is the word Rama. Okay, the word Rama, as as you've heard me say, is 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 the vision, is the dream. It's what the Spirit wants to reveal. Okay, so when I give a vision to somebody, or I'm pro- I'm prophesying based on the vision the Lord gives me, what's happening? I'm I'm just a conduit because I and revealing what the Lord has said, which gives the Holy Spirit opportunity to do a supernatural thing in a person's life. The, the Holy Ghost gets to intervene and reveal himself to the people, okay? But he can't do it without people becoming supernatural, 
okay? On a rare occasion, you'll hear a story where Jesus walked into somebody's room. And I know I have a friend in India. Jesus, he, he was a snake worshiper. He grew up in a family of Hindus that worshiped the snake god, okay? Jesus walked into his room in the middle of the night. And the presence of Jesus made, the, made this man shake. He trembled. And when he got up off the floor, he was commanded to go um, the next night to a certain church in a certain city. And um, a, a prophet called this man by name out of the out of the audience, okay, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he's been preaching the gospel ever since, okay, those are supernatural stories, those are rare, okay, for the most part, Jesus has to, has to, he works through men who operate in the Spirit of God, okay, and it's in the Spirit of God that the power of the kingdom of God is released on earth, and so I encourage you again, your prayer life is the central theme of what will make you supernatural, it's not that you don't hear yet or you don't fluently hear and see visions on a routine basis. The more you pray and the more he encounters you, the more layers of darkness he rips off your heart, okay? That's an act of the Spirit. It's not you working harder in Scripture. The Christian walk is not supposed to be a hard thing. It's actually supposed to be you learning how to enter into the rest of the Spirit, right? If you read Hebrews chapter 4, the Lord puts a lot of time into revealing that um, although people get touched by the Spirit, it's, it's only in them resting in the Spirit and becoming spiritual that allows the Lord to release His promise on the earth. Amen? And so, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema word of the Lord, okay? The dream and the vision. And so, I want to talk about three major errors in the church. Okay, three major errors of, of interpretation of Christianity that actually makes the body deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually and, and renders them powerless. First of all, as we talked, um, who's your teacher? You have to wrap your mind around the fact that the Holy Ghost is your teacher. Many of you have grown up in denominations where you heard day and night, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. What if you were taught at a young age even in your, you know, my kids, my my kids all started praying in tongues at age five, six, seven years old. Okay, and they 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 were in meetings with me. They were praying with me at at all times. And my kids all flow in the vision of the Lord. And and all all I can tell you guys is, um, what if you start today? What if you change your prayer life and you realize that the Holy Ghost is your teacher, and the Lord wants to teach you. But he can't teach you when you're in your own strength trying to, you know, a lot of people try to check the box. Yep, I, I read my scripture. And I'm listen to me. I am not an advocate of reading your Bible in one year. I think that's a joke. You know why? Because that's you trying to achieve a checkbox rather than you going to the Holy Spirit and trusting that the Holy Spirit can raise you up in with one scripture. The Holy Ghost can transition you in one encounter. Like today, if you don't prophesy and you give yourself in prayer to the Holy Ghost and you pray in tongues and you pray one encounter with the Holy Ghost, that encounter can impart something to you that suddenly you now uh, prophesy fluently. Okay? Because he took you to one scripture and gave you revelation which is what the intent of the book of Revelation is about. It's the revealing of Christ and this war between the Christ and the Antichrist, right? The dragon, right? And, and the Holy Spirit. And so as you embrace the way of the Spirit, 
and you realize that the Holy Spirit is your teacher, you will develop spiritually, okay? If you continue to be a Bible worshiper, um, it actually, it the, the Bible, when you read it, it it's actually designed, if, if you read it alone, it's designed to crush you, okay? The law is designed to crush you guys, okay? And so, it's a it's a it's a world of the spirit, not a natural earthbound world. Okay, and I think I, I think I beat that dead horse enough in this session, um, but it's extremely important that you wrap your mind around the revelation that that uh, your teacher is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so there's two other things. Uh, well, a couple things I want to touch on. The next thing is the concept of logos versus rhema, right? Um, I referenced uh, Romans 10, 17. It's a good example of what the word rhema is for. Um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word word there is the word dream. It's rhema. It means dream, vision. It's actually the Lord speaking to you right now. You know what the Lord is saying. He's giving you rhema word. Okay. The other point here um, that's important is the word logos. And there is a lot, when I say a lot, there's a lot of bad teaching out there about the, what the word Logos means. And it, it, it has led to entire denominations becoming Bible worshipers instead of worshiping the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? The word Logos actually means um, the Word of God, um, but, it, but the central theme of the Word of God is the word Revelation. Okay? It actually means to have his word revealed to you. It, and and it's, it's the same thing as um, the, the Holy Spirit taking you to a scripture and revealing its true meaning. He, begins, he gives you a vision on it. Then he, the next night he gives you a dream on Romans 8.2 or whatever scripture he's talking to you about. He's revealing the true meaning, the intent of it. I've had the Lord, especially in the early days when I was first baptized in the Holy Ghost, I had the Holy Ghost literally... I feel this hand on my shoulder. I get up, takes me downstairs, and he tells me specific scripture to go to. John 3, okay? He takes me to John 3. The next thing you know, he says, okay, now we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. And we sit there, and he begins talking to me about it. And then he takes me back to another scripture. And I, I would sit there for hours as the Lord would take me through the Bible, okay? And the way it happened is I would pray in tongues in the morning. I would pray in tongues at night. And I, my spirit was so sensitive that I could feel the Lord pulling me. I could feel the Lord waking me up. And I would sit there at my kitchen table for three hours, like from three to six or whatever it was, and he would take me from Scripture to Scripture and teach me the real meaning of things. Okay? that's Logos does not mean Scripture. Okay? The word for Scripture is the word graphe. And I get into this a lot in the book Transfigured. Graphe is written scripture, okay? Logos is actually the revelation, okay? The, the revelation of God, whether it's scripture um, or what the Lord is revealing in a situation, a condition, uh, that's the word logos, and it's connected to the Spirit revealing something, okay? It's not simply words on paper. Words on paper are scripture. It's graphe, okay? It's the Greek word graphe. Okay, so when the Bible says, like in John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. Okay, who's the Word? you got to know this, guys. The Word is a person. Okay, it's not 
It's not simply scripture in a Bible. The word is a person. Okay? If you go to uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, the description of Christ on a white horse, verse 11 through 15, it actually says, on his thigh is his name. It's, it's written, the word of God. So the word of God is the resurrected Christ. It is the, it is the revelation of Christ. It is the power of, of the God, of the one who God spoke through to create the universe, to create the world, okay? And that's Logos. It's a powerful understanding. But if you perceive that Logos is simply words on paper, then you missed it, Okay? And you may say, well, why is that important? Well, when you get to the, to the understanding of what it meant when Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness, right? Jesus goes um, and meets John the Baptist, right? The one who said, um, I baptize you in water, but when Jesus comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost in fire, Right, you know, you know that scripture, right? Matthew three eleven. When when he when Jesus comes to the Jordan, and and John John the Baptist says, "I'm not worthy," and Jesus says, "No, you have to." This is the transition. He was saying, "This is the transition of of no longer is the world condemned, but they are delivered in the power of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit." Right. And so Jesus in symbol is baptized in the Jordan. And when he comes up, the dove sat on, on the head of Jesus, symbolizing he was anointed in the power of the Holy Ghost. And what Jesus was anointed in, Jesus said, I will baptize you in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same thing that comes on me in resurrection, I will give to you. Okay, and that's why he that's why he commanded people to stay in the city in Luke 24 after the resurrection, because he wanted to send the power of the Holy Ghost upon them. Okay, but what the what revealed what what proved the power of the spirit? Okay, now get me on this. Was the desert? What proved what what proved the power of Jesus's reliance on the Holy Spirit was the desert. Okay, it says um, in the book of, of Luke and, and in the uh, the book of Matthew it says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to face the devil. Okay. Now, here's the deal, guys. Who knew Scripture in the battle in the desert between Jesus and Satan? Okay? Jesus obviously knew Scripture. Okay? He knew, he knew what he said. Okay? Jesus actually said everything in the Bible. So, he knows what was said. Okay? Satan, on the other hand, in the book of James, if you, if you, if you read, read the book of James, it talks about, Satan know, knows the Bible too, right? He knows all the scripture. He knows what it says. But he twists the scripture to manipulate and control men. Okay? So, Jesus is both God and man. Okay? He comes as God and man. And he's baptized in the Holy Ghost, led by the Holy Spirit in the desert, not as a test of what is written on paper, but what is written in Jesus's heart, okay? And, and so here's the deal. Satan battled by twisted, excuse me, twisting scripture, right? He says things like, has God not said? And Jesus responds and said, basically says, I'll not be tempted by you. Just because it says it, says it in scripture doesn't mean Jesus in that moment is to go do it, okay? Satan was trying to control the situation and, and control Jesus um, by quoting scripture, 
And Jesus says, just because you quote scripture doesn't mean I do it. Okay? He says, man shall not be, uh, 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 you know, man shall not uh, be led by uh, bread alone, right? But every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You got that? Every word that comes out of the voice of the Spirit is what Jesus was led by. Okay, you should you should go you should go right now to Matthew four and begin reading it because you you got to get this right. Satan, who knew what the scripture said but twisted it to try to control Jesus, and Jesus who knew what scripture said but was led by the Spirit. Right. So this this test by Satan in the desert is actually Jesus's launching pad because Jesus comes out of the desert. It says, it says that when Jesus came out of the desert and launched his ministry, he came out in the power of the Spirit. It doesn't say he came out in the power of the Bible, right? He came out in the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Spirit proved Jesus, so to speak, in the desert because Jesus didn't just listen to a man quoting Scripture. Jesus listened to the voice of the Lord, okay? You got it? It's an extremely important point because um, when Jesus follows up, this is where people get screwed up, okay? Jesus follows up and says, it is written. Three times he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. As, as Jesus is responding to Satan's twist of scripture and twisting the situation, Jesus responds and says, it, he, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And he says, it is written, Okay. What's he mean by that? He actually means that the Spirit of God is writing on Jesus' heart. He's not, he's not quoting Scripture, okay? Jesus wasn't simply quoting Scripture, that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He wasn't quoting, okay, in that case. He's actually saying that the Spirit is not leading me in what you're trying to twist me into, Satan, okay? And so what was Jesus saying when he says it is written, okay? He wasn't saying, he wasn't saying that it, that it is written scripture. He's actually saying the Spirit of God has written on my heart, meaning that the Spirit has spoken to my heart. And because the Spirit has spoken to my heart, the writing on my heart no longer is on written tablets, Right? Paul, Paul talked about that. No longer is it on written tablets, you know, on a stone, the stone um, where the Ten Commandments were to reflect the heart of stone of man. And, and Jesus was saying, no longer is it simply written on stone tablets, but the Spirit of God has written on my heart, guys. Ezekiel 36, 26 was a prophecy, right? It, it, it said that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Not a new Bible, not a new scripture, but a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you um, a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Okay, so what does that mean that you will keep my judgments and do them? How did Jesus judge? Okay, in, in, in Isaiah 11... Verse 2 through 4, it says that Jesus was clothed in the sevenfold Spirit of God. Just like the bride is described in Isaiah 61, ordained with jewels and the power, the oil, the glory of God, 
it says um, that that Jesus was walked in the same power, right? The bride can only reflect what what Jesus had, okay? And so when when it says that Jesus was clothed in the sevenfold spirit of God, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. Uh, the spirit of knowledge, which actually is the word intimacy, it's the word yada, the spirit of intimacy and the fear of the Lord, and then the revelation of Christ revealed in John, um, or, or in the book of Revelation, that those are the sevenfold spirits of God. So Jesus was ultimately clothed in the ability to reveal himself, right? And it says in verse 3 and 4, it says that Jesus did not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but he judged with the gift of true discernment. Discernment is a spiritual revelation. It's a spiritual gifting. Okay? And when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit in power with the ability to dream his dream and have his vision, you then have the ability to not be tempted by somebody twisting a scripture to try to get you to do something because you wait for the Spirit to speak. Okay? And we don't know. Jesus, we have three three encounters that are documented in this wilderness experience. We don't know if one encounter um, took a whole week and Jesus, you know, the question, the temptation came by by the devil and Jesus actually had to wait on the Spirit. Maybe he had to wait a week. And he says, no, this is what the Spirit says, right? Satan comes back with another temptation, another twist of the Scripture. Jesus waits another week. He finally gets a download because he prayed straight, right? He fasted and prayed straight through the desert. And a week later, he gets another download from the Holy Ghost, and he, he, he rises up and answers again. It is written on my heart by the Holy Ghost, right? I will not be tempted by you using Scripture to control me, but I will be led by the Holy Spirit because he is my teacher. Amen? Are you getting it, guys? I mean, when you get the, when you wrap your head around this, my God, this becomes so simple. You never have to measure yourself again according to Scripture you actually are led by the Spirit. And this is this is a high-level maturity, guys, okay? Not everybody's going to get this. But the Bible, has, the Bible and reading the Bible right out of the gate in the early days is extremely important, okay? Don't, don't listen to this and think that I devalue Bible, Scripture reading, and all that stuff. All I'm trying to do is transition you into the maturity of the Spirit because people ask me questions. Why, when you go here, does the Lord speak to you about this and this happens? Why do you go here, does the Lord speak to you, and you, you lead a whole church to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And my answer is exactly what I taught you in this whole message. That I am not led by a man either tempting me or twisting a scripture or trying to get me to do something. But I do not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye. I judge according to what the Spirit is leading me to do. Okay? I know the voice of my God. I know Him. I can, I, I'm, all I'm telling you is I know His voice. I know His voice. I know His voice. And that is what leads me through life. Okay? So, just to clear up one more thing. Okay? Verse 27 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, verse 27. I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgment. So I just talked about judgments and how Jesus judged, right? He judged by the voice of, the, of what the Spirit was saying. So when it says, keep my statutes, the word statutes does not mean that you will simply read the law, okay? You will read the law of Moses and say, you know what? I'm not allowed to lie. I'm not allowed to steal. I'm not allowed to commit adultery. And I'm going to do my best to stop that, okay? That's humanism, guys. 
that that is what the Lord's trying to break in a person, okay, a man trying to achieve the law, okay? But that doesn't mean that there's not value in the law itself, okay? The law is important because the law is what reveals the fact that you actually need to fall on your face and, and receive your Savior, Jesus Christ, as your Lord, and then receive the power of His Spirit to walk in resurrection life, okay? Because here's the deal. Only the Spirit can produce the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So when you get into Galatians 5 and it talks about peace and joy and, and you know, just everything that is produced as a result of the Spirit, the Spirit is the one who will lead you out of a life of lying. The Spirit is the one who will lead you out of a life of adultery. The Spirit is the one who will lead you out of, out of a, a life of stealing, okay? Those are all, when, when it becomes fruit is when, it, and is when you are delivered of it and you're no longer trying to no longer do it, but because you've embraced the Spirit, the Spirit has conquered that dead, dark, demonic thing in your life, okay? And the reason this concept is so important, guys, is because you're relying on the strength of the Spirit and not your own strength trying to read the Bible and achieve it. Okay, and there's a subtlety. If you try to read the Bible and achieve it, you will eventually run out of strength and you will run out the door saying Jesus isn't real. Um, and the reality is you were never led by a mature leader to lay your sin at the altar. And instead of being condemned when you're in a struggle, people gather around you to pray and discern the voice of the Spirit to try to cast out a demon, to try to deliver you, to try to heal you. That is what produces life in a body, in a church, is when the bride embraces the Spirit, okay? They, they have a Bible as a reference tool. They have the Bible as, a, as, as an important recognition of the, of the way Jesus walked and what he was trying to give the body and clothe the body in. He was trying to equip the bride in a supernatural clothing of the Holy Spirit that would make you supernatural so that you would reflect the beginning of Isaiah 61, which is the mission statement of Christ, right? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, bring sight to the blind. See, a lot of you need to lay down your Bible and just, just begin to declare the Holy Ghost. Come on, baby. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me right now. I'm not going anywhere till the Holy Ghost comes upon me in power, till I can till I can move in every gift of the Spirit, till I can discern the heart of my God and what, what you are asking me to do in life, where you're asking me to go. Um, and Because here's the deal, okay? Um, if you're not living in trust and reliance of the Holy Spirit and you're trying to stop sin, you're not living by grace. You're living in your own strength, right? Um, grace is a gift of God that equips you. It resurrects you. It, it establishes you. It leads you through life. It allows you to get through every desert. Just like Jesus was, was he, it's a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. As Jesus was led into the desert to expose Satan working in in Christ's life or or trying to tempt Christ right Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit and the writing of the Holy Spirit on the heart meaning the relationship was solidified as Jesus did not bow to Satan's twist of scripture it became written on his heart what the Holy Spirit was saying to him he became one with the Holy Ghost okay and so that's what grace is 
That's what grace is. And and that's probably the number one thing when I go places. People that even in charismatic churches, they've they believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but somehow they've got this Judaizer leadership group that beats them over the head and condemns them when they don't achieve scripture and when when they beat people for being sinners and they're telling them to stop it and telling people to stop it doesn't reveal the spirit. Giving people the answer and the ability to conquer death, hell, and sin, right? That's That's what where people fall in love with the spirit instead of the condemnation of simply they need a savior, right? There's a lot of churches stuck in one place, which is come to the altar and repent again. You need a savior. Come to the altar again, repent. You need a savior. And I know there's a lot of people listening to me right now where that is the pattern in the place where you worship. And I'm telling you, run for your life. Because if all you hear is repent of your sin, you need a savior. Repent of your sin, you need a savior. That's not the picture of resurrection. The picture of resurrection is the equipping of the Holy Spirit who will equip you not only to conquer sin, but to drive out the demonic powers that hide in sin, okay? And position you to be led by the Spirit for the rest of your life where you no longer walk in your own strength trying to stop it, but you live in the strength of the Spirit. Amen? And so I'll just give you one more example, guys, before we close. Um, and this, there, there's, you know, Paul, Paul gives an example of, um, you know, girding up your loins and becoming equipped in the armor of God in Ephesians 6. The armor of God is, again, it's not a self-strength. It's not you memorizing scripture. And because you memorized 100 scriptures that you think that's your armor, that is not your armor. Mark my words, you memorizing 100 scriptures is not your armor. Okay. If you get down, if you read the whole the whole scripture, when you get down to uh, Ephesians six eighteen, and it says, "Above all, take with you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." It's the word Rama. So what he's saying is, take with you the voice of God. Okay, and so if you if you read that in context, he's saying that the sword is the voice of God. Your your breastplate is the sword. Is the is the voice of God? Your helmet is the voice of God. Your feet shod with the gospel of peace is the voice of God. Your the girdle on your loins is the voice of God. Your weapon, guys, is the voice of God. And if you don't discern it, you don't know it, you don't rely on it, and you've been duped into simply memorizing scripture and trying to apply it and re, and literally repeating it like a parrot. A lot of you repeat scripture like a parrot. And you have no idea what the Spirit is saying to you. Okay? That's why you get beat up in life. That's why that's why condemnation keeps coming back. That's why depression keeps coming back. That's why being a victim keeps coming back into your life. Because your heart and mind haven't shifted into the revelation that it is by the Spirit that Jesus, the Word, was resurrected. And so am I resurrected by the Holy Ghost. He is your protector, your deliverer. He is your armor. He is all things. And so I've referenced this this example before recently, but I want to reference again because it's extremely applicable to this concept of the difference between biblical scripture and the Holy Spirit. Because the Word of Faith movement is is ingrained in a lot of denominations at different levels, okay? The Word of Faith movement is basically a Bible-worshipping concept. And this is what I mean by it. When a person comes and says, hey, I have a health issue, 
or I have a sickness problem. Um, and leadership says, well, you just, you got, you don't have enough faith because if you had enough faith, you would be healed, right? When you pray for somebody, they don't get healed. A word of faith movement guy is going to tell you, well, you just don't have enough faith yet. You just don't have enough faith yet. Okay. And that is, that is, that is the lie from the devil. And what he's actually saying is you haven't memorized enough scripture and you haven't applied it because the Bible said, if you had faith, you would do this. Okay. Why is that such an irritant to me? Why does that, um, that literally, that concept makes me so angry because what is supposed to deliver people actually heaps condemnation on them. Okay. And you, I guarantee every Christian has gone through this. If you have any contact with the word of faith movement. Okay. What is really supposed to happen is take people back to Romans ten seventeen. Okay. Well, let's pray together. Let's seek the Holy Spirit and see what the vision of the Lord is, right? Maybe you have, maybe this, maybe you are in a wilderness and you're being tested and there's going to be a long period of time where you're going to be an enduring in this season. It doesn't mean you actually have faith. It actually means in this season, the Lord is going to reveal faith in you as you learn in this season to push and, and, and um, push on the Holy Spirit, rely on the Holy Spirit and receive from the Holy Spirit. And he will reveal to you how to conquer the devil in this season, okay? That's a, that's a spiritual way of, of dealing with situations. It's also like, for example, if, a, if, if, if you're praying for a person and nobody gets healed, the word of faith guy will say, well, you don't have enough faith. Well, let me, let me uh, actually teach you the correct way, okay? The correct way is, again, Romans ten seventeen. faith comes from hearing. You cannot generate faith from a principle, okay? And some of you have heard me say this before, but just because words are on paper in a Bible doesn't mean it's rightly applied in every situation. That's what, that's what Satan did to Jesus in the desert. He took Scripture and tried to apply it in a certain way when it wasn't the right time, right season, right place, according to what the Spirit was leading Jesus to do, okay? And... If you are trying to pray for a person and all you're doing is repeating scripture, um, the word of faith guy is going to say, well, if, if you really had faith, that person would get healed. And that's not the case. The reality is you haven't waited for the spirit to speak yet. Okay. Because if you wait for the spirit to speak and he gives you a vision, he's going to do it. Okay. Jeremiah chapter one, when he gave Jeremiah the vision, he asked Jeremiah, what do you see? This is verse uh, 10, 11, and 12. He says, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I see the almond branch. Um, and the Lord says, well, have you seen, for I will execute it. Well, what's the purpose of the almond branch? The almond branch is a symbol that was put in the ark. It budded overnight, right? Aaron's almond branch, it was dead. But when it was, they looked at it the next morning, it budded. Life came out of death, Okay. So when the Lord used that example with Jeremiah in a vision, the Lord was saying, life will come from what I let you see in vision, okay? So when you say, you know what? I'm not going to do this scripture repeating thing anymore. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost till the Lord speaks. And I'm going to learn that when I minister to people and I wanna, when I want to pray for people, I'm going to wait for the vision of the Lord. Because I guarantee you this, guys, if he shows it to you, he's going to do it. 
Okay, if he shows you a serpent wrapped around a person's spine, and and you see an angel walk in and grab that serpent by the neck, and you begin the angel begins pulling it off, and you say. This is what the Lord says to you, my friend. There's been a curse wrapped around you for generations. And the angel of the Lord is upon you right now to remove it. And this person suddenly starts to shake and cry. That's the presence of God doing the work through the vision that he let you see. Okay? That's how I learned to pray, guys. I what My first five, seven years after being baptized in the Holy Ghost, I prayed literally for thousands of people. Okay? And in those thousands of people... I um, went through seasons of frustration and even seasons of learning where I tried to apply scripture and the Lord would teach me that's not how it works. It works through me showing you what is wrong and what I want to correct and what I want to do. And if you understand that concept, not only for people you pray for, but for your own life, temptation that comes your way will be averted because instead of just thinking it's the right thing, you actually go pray, and because you know the voice of the Lord and wait on Him, it may take you a few weeks to get an answer from God. It may take you to fast to get a vision from the Lord. But when He speaks, you know. And if He doesn't speak, you don't go. If He doesn't speak, you don't do it. Okay? I don't I don't minister in, in, in certain places if I don't get a vision. Okay? I'm going to Canada to preach in a few weeks. And the reason I'm going to Canada is is because back in 2017, the Lord gave me a distinct dream about the province of Ontario and what he wanted to do in, in the province of Ontario. And and uh, a month ago, I get this call um, from this church in, in, in Ontario in the province in Canada. And, and um, they start talking about what they believe the Lord is leading them into. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the Lord led me back to this dream. And I know what the Lord wants to do in this particular church in the province of Ontario, Canada. Okay, what are the odds of that? And I'm, I just, I want to emphasize to you guys that what I'm describing is not, it shouldn't be an unusual thing. It should be normal in the Christian body. And we've got to shift away from being self-medicated, trying to find our own strength by simply repeating a bunch of Bible scripture and shift into relying on the Holy Spirit. Amen. So guys, um, just let me pray for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on this theme over the next few weeks um, because the Lord is really, I really believe He's doing something. Um, there's a lot of people messaging me and stuff, and um, I, you know, there's there's just a lot of awakening happening right now as the Lord is revealing the power of the Spirit. And so, Father, I just pray for every listener right now. I pray, Lord, that there would be no condemnation in what I talked about today. That there is, there is no relegation of, of the Bible as something that's not true or, or something that's not applicable. That's not the case. Lord, I pray that every person would recognize that the Bible does have a place. But there's only one living God. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is the Word of God who sits at the right hand of the Father. Who right now is in heaven um, with eyes blazing of fire, hair as wool clothed uh, in a robe uh, of blood, um, has the name on his thigh called the Word of God. He is the living Christ, the Word, right? And he is the one who answers by fire. He is the one who answers in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is waiting for his army, right? He's, He's waiting for his people to become so supernatural in the Spirit that instead of Christ sitting in heaven waiting for somebody to do something, Christ has a line of people where Christ himself is stepping out of heaven 
doing the ministry, doing the supernatural things because Jesus is present with his people. Lord, I pray for every person right now, Lord, that there would be a hunger of prayer, a hunger of the supernatural, a hunger of desire to, to be given spiritual revelation, wisdom, and understanding to judge the way Jesus judged, not by the hearing of the ear, the seeing of the eye, like the strength of men, but that he would judge, Lord, that your body would judge in the gift of true discernment as led by the Spirit, as led by the gifts of the Spirit with dreams and visions and prophecy and words of knowledge, working of miracles. Lord, I pray for every gift of the Spirit to be released upon the people right now. Lord, in every way the, the demonic powers uh, through dead religion have blinded the hearts of men, I break that off of them right now. In every way, Lord, people have been wounded. Um, by feeling condemnation every time they go to a leader and they're told that they don't have enough faith or they, they're told that the problem is them. Lord, I break that lie off of the people. I break it off of them right now and I decree go in, in peace. Go in the might of the Holy Spirit. No longer shall you live in condemnation and trying to achieve what your leaders or what um, you perceive to be true in the Bible, but you would uh, rely on the Spirit to resurrect you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the grace of multiplication, the grace of, of just the presence of God to begin to fall on people right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, let the grace of a supernatural prayer life come upon them now. In Jesus' name. All right, guys, you have a great, great week, and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.